Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, happy summer. Welcome back to the show. I am so glad to be with you today, and I am recording this week from our summer home up in northern Wisconsin, so if you are noticing the different background, <laughs> the house is super cute, but for me to be away from the chaos of the pet's and the children, I am in a very plain room. If it was daytime, it would be gorgeous and green and woodsy behind me, or you'd see the lake or something, but at night, forget it. So we're up in northern Wisconsin, where we are extremely grateful to be escaping the triple-digit Texas heat. <laughs> are you all having some crazy summer weather? Is it just us? Um it's pretty normal up here, thank goodness, except for when we first got here, the mosquitoes were extra heavy. Like I, we don't like it's starting to get better because the dragonflies are here now, thank goodness. But um, it was really wild. We've never seen them. I've been coming up here for like 30 years now, 30 plus years. I can't even remember a time when the mosquitoes were this bad. But the baby and I were like <laughs> practically trapped inside, which was annoying because it was cool out. Um, but it's just been wild. So I'm super curious to hear what the weather is doing for you. I know Texas and for sure California and Florida have been getting crazy heat Oh, my thoughts and prayers are with you. <laughs> I really hope you have good AC. But anyway, if you want to follow along with our summer adventures, um, I tend to post quite a bit on Instagram stories at how to sell your stuff. So if we're not connected there yet, this is a super fun time of year to do it because it's always um, pretty, like, per you know, it's really beautiful here. We're right on the lake. So how are things going in your Etsy shop right now? Is it the, it's a slower time of year for many shops, depending on your niche, which can be a little discouraging, but it's a great time to be optimizing everything for the fall, which will be super busy and learning um, new skills to level up your game right now. And also adding a bunch of new listings, all good things. So um, back when I was making physical signs, the summer was actually a welcome break. So I know we're all in, I appreciate we all experience these things differently, but I was really happy <laughs> when summer came along. And if you're finding that you're needing some help as you're planning for the fall and trying to take your shop to the next level, I am currently doing Zoom coaching calls every week. I've been doing a ton of them, working with so many of you. I love it. I welcome them. Like, feel free to sign up for those um, and pop onto my calendar. I would love to spend some time with you answering your questions and helping you develop a strategy and looking at you know, SEO and, and demand and figuring out what's going on with your niche. So, um, it's just the best time. I really love, I really love doing those with you guys more than I thought I would. Like, it's just my favorite. So the link will be in the show notes. If you'd like to have a strategy coaching call with me. And today we're just going to have a quick chat about the fall trends that are predicted to be big. And, um, in August I'll be doing my big, like I do this every year, the big fall winter holiday trend episode. There's usually a massive report that Etsy releases early August. So be watching for that. 
um, we'll have a lot more detail. This was really fun to see that they put out a kind of like a mini report. Um, I never, I hadn't noticed in the past. It doesn't mean it wasn't there. I'm not your best detail person, right? We know this about me. And we're also going to discuss today some of the Etsy updates and changes we've been see- we've been seeing happening and um, big questions that have been coming up a lot, like online and in my DMs and in the Facebook groups. And I want to make sure that you are in the know. So we've got a lot to cover. I'm going to start with Etsy's trend expert, um, Dana Isom Johnson's statement. I'm just going to read this to you because I think it's the perfect summary for the upcoming season. She says, while summer is just beginning in much of the world, it won't be long until school children are returning to classrooms, shoppers are getting excited about Halloween, and hosts are planning autumnal, what a word, autumnal gatherings. In keeping with 2023's theme of duality, we're expecting fall shoppers to mix it up, layering classic standby styles with bold, fresh touches, and creating new eclectic aesthetics by borrowing from vintage-inspired styles. They could also embrace contrast in their approach to shopping. While buyers may be extra thoughtful with their purchases, we anticipate they'll also seek out joyfully expressive products for a bit of fun. Okay, so good. Like, And as always, I have the article linked for you in the show notes if you want to get into the details. If you listened to the 2023 Trends episode in January, we are hearing some carryover in the themes of duality and layers and vintage. However, this newest report did not mention the anticipated colors of the year, which were indigo and honeycomb. And I found that really interesting. If you look at the product pictures they highlight, and their report, there are definitely whispers of these colors, but nothing like the intensity that we were seeing at the beginning of the year. It It's sort of taken me by surprise. In fact, there was a heavy emphasis on the color pink. <laughs> and the report even said, this is the year of pink. So there's a big opportunity for us to lean into that and offer pink options when we can and use different shades and hues of pink in our listing photos and marketing communications where appropriate. I thought that was just so funny. Like how far off the map can we go from indigo and honeycomb? Pink is associated with the bigger trend called love core. And it's translating into pink weddings, lots of floral accents, and heart-shaped patterns. So we're seeing pink in connection with, um, in connecting and occasions and gifting in particular. And I found that so entertaining um, that the colors of this year just took such a turn. (laughs) Maybe we'll see more indigo and honeycomb as we go into the fall and winter months. I could totally see that being a thing. Like we've had spring and summer. So like, who knows? I will keep you posted. I will be watching for that for sure. So here are some trend tidbits that I thought were important to share. Moon motifs are really popular right now. That didn't surprise me a bit. Like the celestial trend has been going on strong for a few years now. So we're seeing it um, kind of more of a mainstream love of things like moon phases. It's sort of left the super spiritual and become a little more mainstream, which I think is really cool. I love anything nature related. So that's really cool to me. Throwback Halloween is expected to be huge from the sustainability and upcycling crowd, but also the vintage lovers. And since the 90s obsession seems to still be raging, it will be widespread this Halloween with a heavy emphasis on 80s and 90s for costumes and decor, of course. It cracks me up. So 67%, we're seeing a 67% year-over-year increase in searches on Etsy for the phrase vintage Halloween decoration. Um that's a pretty big jump. It's really interesting that we're seeing this continue. Another is a uh, barnyard imagery is really big. And I mean Actually, I should mention animals in general have been such a thing this year, like from bugs to frogs to dinosaurs to cats, these little micro trends. Like it seems like every month there's a new trending animal, Um, but the farm related products and animals have been consistently going strong. 
um, the, there has been a 709% year-over-year increase in searches on Etsy containing chicken sweatshirt. <laughs> like, go look that up and see what the choices are. It's a riot. Um, and I mean, like, the homesteader in, he, in, in me is, like, is just kind of here for it. Like, I'm not mad about it. There's also been a 50% year-over-year increase in searches on Etsy containing the phrase artichoke art. So I think, you know, um, homesteady, farmy barns, animals, anything around that lifestyle is just uh, going bananas right now. So let's talk a little bit about fashion for a few minutes. Uh, there's big, it's big on nostalgia, 90s, Y2K fashion, all still on trend, lots of vintage as well. And we're seeing um, punk meets prep, dark boudoir vibes with like the lingerie everyday concept, refined minimalism, patchwork and inner child jewelry. Like I saw somewhere it referenced like um, earrings that were like the sh- like little disco balls. I'm just, I'm just harkening back to my childhood. Uh, new boho is another st- uh, fashion theme that, that I should mention to you. Okay. This is interesting. This is the biggest one I've ever seen. 99,050%. Yeah. 99,050%. Nine nine comma zero five zero. I know most of you caught that, but I still can't believe it. Year over year increase in searches on Etsy for the phrase "charm bracelet opal." Like, make note of that if you're in the jewelry niche. Like, that's a crazy jump. I like I said, I don't think I've ever seen it go up that dramatically. In decor trends, I liked how the Etsy report phrased this piece. They said shoppers continue to see the home as a sanctuary, place of inspiration and grounding force in their lives, all while looking to update it for a new season. I, again, I can't word that better. Shoppers are looking for pieces that inspire. So statement feast pieces that are very personal to them. Comfort is key. New cottage core is a trending aesthetic with it's, it has like modern interpretations of the traditional country side style. So that's kind of interesting. We've got like went really hard cottage core, but now they're doing like a modern version of it. Um, statement rugs continue to be in demand with pops of personality, bright colors, intricate designs, and of course, a nod to the vintage. Novel gloss, pff, gloss, novel glassware and enamelware. Shoppers really want colorful and textured glassware. There has been a 581% year-over-year increase in searches for the phrase ribbed glassware. Um, I think that's so interesting. The glassware. I mean, I I love some vintage glassware for sure. Mermaid core is a more playful coastal grandmother grandma trend, which just what? So think iridescence, scalloped patterns, pearly terrazzo touches, and bubble motifs. It's kind of cute. Like I, I can kind of get into some coastal, but it's not really, I don't know. I think it, but I think it's cute that they're like, I could do, I can do coastal grandma. That's cute. Um, dark wood tones are in vintage patterns. This is a nod to the grand millennial style, which is a trending aesthetic that puts a modern spin on homey and traditional elements. I will admit I had to look that one up. I had not heard of grand millennial style, but I'm here for it. It's cute. Again, another one is earthy ceramics. So the report reads pieces spotlighting terracotta, speckled textures, and uneven glazes that reveal the natural components and handwork are growing in popularity. So that's really cool. If you're in the ceramic space, I wish I was, I wish I could do ceramics. That's just so cool. There's really big opportunity for you guys if you're in that space. Okay. So how do we apply these? Even though they were broken down into somewhat niche related trends, like events and gifting, fashion, decor, you can pull pieces from this and apply them to your, to your own niche or better yet, 
your a micro niche. So I would suggest that you start by looking at the best sellers in your niche and like the first page of search results for your top keywords to see what's already kind of catching on from these trends. Like where do you see them already happening and use that to inspire your own versions. But you can also search your keywords on Pinterest and Google Trends to see how these fall trends are hitting your niche at large. So because like what you see in those places is usually they're a little bit ahead and they almost always appear on the Etsy scene. So this is one way you can be ahead of that curve if you're not quite seeing any of them hit yet when you look at the bestsellers or first page of search results in your niche. Those are, again, Google Trends and Pinterest. If they're hitting there, you can be pretty confident in putting listings that reflect that on Etsy and it will catch up most of the time. So here are a few examples I put together for you. If I were in the jewelry niche, I would see what I could do with that charm bracelet opal phrase. I'd be looking into that or at least opal if I wasn't already, um, if it, I wasn't using it already. I'd also see how I could use vintage and 90s jewelry to inspire my pieces that they kind of speak to it a little bit. Um, they're probably a little more likely to jump out in search results. If I were in digital products, I would make sure I had pink options of many of my products. I'd be looking into the crescent moon for sure and maybe add some um, gentle celestial features to like appropriate products. And I'd probably see if there was somewhere to incorporate artichoke art if I had anything in my digital stuff where that would be appropriate and make sense. If I made children's toys, I'd be looking at farm and barnyard themes 100%. I'd look for I'd look at vintage toys for inspiration and see if also if um, using dark woods makes sense or dark dark wood tones. If I um, I'm really interested in like wood toys, I think people are really getting back to that old school vintage toy situation. So I might also try to add some like patchwork related products if I did depending on what I was doing in the toy niche, or at the very least. Um, be making sure things felt cozy. Like if I, if I had toys that that applied to, if I sold vintage items, I would be on the hunt big time for eighties and nineties, Halloween costumes and decorations to sell. I'd be hunting for awesome vintage glassware. I would be looking for Thanksgiving and vintage. And I mean, Thanksgiving and Christmas vintage figurines to sell and anything that could speak to the grand millennial trend. I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, as for print on demand, I think offering some pink options could be really good for you. Um, you might see how you can take maybe some more old, tiny, popular phrases to incorporate on your items. Like make sure you check for copyrights and trademarks. Um, but I think that could, I'm seeing some, some of that start to sprinkle in, like just those old quotes updated a little bit on t-shirts. Kind of interesting to look into that. I think there's an opportunity with the barnyard animals and farm trend. Um, you could definitely design for Y2K Halloween. Just get on it right now. You don't want to wait on that one. And maybe a line of sweatshirts that speak to the cozy season. So hopefully these get your wheels turning a little bit. And just like FYI, I didn't put any research into those ideas. I wasn't on Etsy, like looking at all of the... Um, looking for demand, seeing how many search results there were for those, seeing what the competition was. I was just, I'm just kind of spitballing. They're totally off the cuff because I wanted to demonstrate how these trends could be applied to different niches to help you connect the dots and how you might personally apply them. If you guys haven't jumped onto the Everbee bandwagon yet, this is your sign to check it out ASAP. If you haven't heard of it before, Everbee is a free tool that can help you find trends, products, and niches that are hot sellers on Etsy right now. I personally use it in tandem with Sales Samurai because they do totally different things. And I literally don't think I could compete 
in the current Etsy marketplace today without it or help you guys as effectively. Uh, Everbee gives me so much information that I can't glean just from studying Etsy. All you need is a laptop or desktop. You can't do it on your phone. So you do need a laptop or whatever, a Google Chrome browser, a quick install of the Everbee extension. And for my tech challenge friends, I promise you it's super simple. And then you will gain access to a whole new world of data about your niche and competitors. So this is a tool I use every single day um, for my own Etsy shop research, for coaching calls that I do with you guys all the time, for shop reviews I do for you guys all the time. And just as I work on growing my personal mastery of Etsy, these tools have, have become so instrumental in getting the results that I do. And I, I mean, I can still use my old school tactics. I still use them, but I... I don't use them alone anymore because it's just, it's a whole different ball game. So these guys have just been a game changer for me. I use Everbee to learn everything about bestsellers and high performing listings. It shows me, okay, I'm going to give you a rundown. It shows me how many sales a shop makes from each listing. I can see how many they've sold of it, how much money that listing has made them or is earning them every month, how old the listing is, like how, how early did they get on on that, on that trend? what their tags are and how competitive those tags are. It gives me an at-a-glance view of all the shop data, um, which sometimes I can't otherwise find, and like the competitor listing data that I need to help my students and myself find ways to penetrate the market. So like I said before, Etsy has a totally free version, like not just a free trial. There is a free version so everyone can get access to it. Download Down in the show notes, I have a link to their site for you so you can um, check it out. And I also included a quick YouTube tutorial to show you exactly how I use it because sometimes like the barrier to entry is trying to figure out new technology. So I got you. Just go watch. It's a quick video. It'll show you how to navigate it. So if you don't have it yet, get Everbee. Jump on that today. I'm so excited for you to get this edge on the market you're going to love it. It's a game changer. Next, I would love to spend a few minutes on some of the changes we've been seeing on Etsy, both new and a few that have been around for a while, but bear repeating. So if you've been here a while, you probably heard me talk about the Etsy Facebook groups and how they're generally super negative and often just like scare away newer potential sellers. Um, and I, I like, I get it. Like, I know we need a place to vent. I'm really not meaning to hate on them, but I just, I just think they generally do a lot more harm than good. So like the thing is, is in business, I personally think who you listen to and what voices you allow to speak into your business are so important. Like they for sure have been for me. And just to have like a mindset moment with you guys, there's this famous quote. Many of you probably heard it. It says that you become like the five people you spend the most time around. And it's not just like who you physically spend the most time around. It's like, it's like the the um, people who influence you. So I don't know, <laughs> this is a funny example that I thought of. Like, I remember when I was in, um, oh my gosh, this is such, I have a better one. Okay. When I was in high school, I had gone through all of these years of being bullied and put down and I was so sick of it. And I was like, kind of feeling my oats and trying to, I kind of had discovered that if I, <laughs> it's so just, this is so different from how I am now. If I like walked like I knew where I was going and I talked with authority and I just, acted intense that people like didn't ask questions and they left me alone. So like the bullying stopped because, you know, if you bully back a bully, they typically back down. Right. So I became obsessed with the movie, <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You. And if you haven't seen it, it's based on um, William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. And the main character, Cat is like the most intense, like acts so superior, reads all these books. She's like a 
um, super high. What is the word I want to, she's very intellectual is the word I'm looking for. And I became just like her. And to the point where I like me, and I'm usually, I'm usually like the person who's nice to everyone. I'm the one who goes to the kid who's been bullied and like, will sit next to them and be like, are you okay? You know, like (laughs) the the total empath. And I became so intense and kind of nasty because I was in self-protection. So the point is, is, okay, I had this pain point, right, where I was feeling insecure and I was tired of being picked on. And I allowed this, this character, Kat, to completely influence me to become an entirely different person. And it's because all I did was watch this movie and I wanted to be like her because nobody messed with her. Um, and it can just steer you the wrong way, right? Or I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but if you've ever gone through a phase, and and I have, I don't have like an issue with cussing. I just t- tend not to, um, A, because I'm on the air like this, and B, because I have young children. But like, you know, when you're around someone who cusses all the time and you tend to pick up on it, right? You adapt. So the people who are around us for, and th- these aren't positive or, positive or negatives, the examples that I'm giving you, it's just, it influences us. And so while we can't necessarily change our immediate inner circle, like with our family and friends, nor do we want to, when it comes to business, what you can control are the voices you listen to and who gets to influence your entrepreneurial journey. And too many of you come to me feeling like you can't do it, feeling like you can't add up, feeling like Maybe um, this is going to be too hard or Etsy's too saturated. You have, you already have so many doubts. You do not need anyone, including some Facebook group full of haters, making, giving you more reasons to think you can't do it. Or, you know what I see a lot? They'll get, people will get, new people get so overwhelmed by all the issues they see happening. They'll be like, oh my gosh, like if it's this big of a problem, I don't even want anything to do with it. And the reality is you're hearing like a hundred sellers out of what, 58, something um, I don't know. I've got the number here in a few minutes. Millions of them. And and what the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? They're just like the loudest. And you're not hearing the millions of stories of Etsy changed my life. This has been so amazing. I can't believe this platform's here. I'm having the best experience. Like that's why I bring these great stories onto the podcast, right? So I take it so seriously that you choose to be here and I do my very best to make it worth your while because your time is valuable and um, your heart and your goals are so important. And I just like, I'm honored you choose to spend this with me. I want you to go and be uplifted. And I'm also, I will add, extremely thoughtful about my words and the energy I bring you because I realize it has the potential to help or harm your business efforts or to make you go that extra mile when it feels like everything's going wrong versus give up. So all that that monologue to say, I don't recommend that people spend time in Facebook groups I know that you guys do, and, and especially new sellers who, who might feel easily discouraged. And the only reason I am in there is to take the temperature from one angle of the industry, the negative one, so that I can help you all better. I want to know what the word is on the street. Um, and from time to time, I like to offer a lifeline to people who, who really need some help with their shops, and that's why I'm there. So... I've actually, just to throw this out, I've actually, and I think I mentioned this before, I thought about starting my own Facebook group if you guys would be interested in having that space to connect as a community, but I don't want a big gripe session. Like I want it to be constructive. So I would run a pretty tight ship and I'd also need some help from a few of you to help manage it. So like drop me an email or DM me if you think we should start a group on Facebook for us and definitely let me know if you'd be interested in helping me admin it um, and like just approve posts and kick people out who are being, who are not following our like kind of culture. But, um, all that to say one discussion in one of the groups did catch my attention the past few weeks. And I wanted to mention it to y'all as we all know, uh, now, because I talk about all the time, Etsy has several AI bots, um, 
artificial intelligent bots that scan the platform looking for fraudulent accounts, uh, also for trademark violations, terms of service violations, etc. And recently, it seems like some new phrases were added to the bots, making it more stringent in hunting for listings that may involve drug paraphernalia. Like, I don't know, some update happened, but there were literally tons of posts about this where people were having their listings deactivated for this reason. So I wanted to give you a heads up and also suggest how you handle it if it happens to you. Like it was happening that often enough where I felt like this needed to mention. So when this happens, Etsy deactivates your listing and sends you an email to let you know that they've deactivated. It'll say something like this. This is an automated notice from Etsy's content moderation team. Our system has deactivated one or more of your listings as potential drug paraphernalia, which is prohibited on Etsy under our prohibited items policy. I'm going to be like a little more in there, but that's basically what you'll get. So at least this time they're giving us the heads up. But what they don't tell you is what words keywords you were using that tipped them off. You know, what, what was part of the algorithm? So some of the phrases, this is why I had to bring this up, referenced on Facebook were bath salts, glitter, plastic cases, clips, resin, embroidery, neoprene icy pop holders, bead scoop. Like there were a whole bunch of just rando and not drug related items. Um, the good news, it sounds like in most cases you can submit a ticket and a real human at Etsy will review it and put your listing back up with an apology. So that's great. But if possible, um, if I were you, I would try to figure out what term caused the issue on your listing, especially right now while it's like real hot, like this is happening left and right, and switch it out for something different because I have seen cases where it then gets deactivated again and not reactivated, like they catch it again. So better safe than sorry. And the other thing I'll add is a lot of times listings are getting deactivated right after a purchase happens rather than just like randomly you get this email. It'd be like right after someone orders that item. So perhaps the sale pings the system and their bots. They, we don't know for sure. They don't tell us, but it does appear that their list of flagged words has expanded. The other big changes that we've seen, and you'll most likely be aware of this if you're active on the platform is um, Etsy just changed their listing format. So the place where we create a new listing or edit one is laid out differently now. It's a bit trippy at first, um, but those of you awaiting my Etsy course overhaul, it has also set me back a bit because I now need to re-record certain parts because the layout is different. But I haven't found it difficult to get used to. Like According to Etsy, the reason for the change was to create a faster, more streamlined process and also to implement seller-suggested changes. We like that. And for now, you can switch back to the old way if you prefer it, but eventually they will move us all to the new listing form. Um, so now there's like a menu across the top of the listing, like the listing form where you type everything in, where you can click on the section you want to jump to. And that is actually a really nice feature. There is a performance tab on that menu where you can look at the stats and reviews for that listing when you go in to edit it. Um, and I love that they've put all that in one place and like really let us see how a particular listing is performing for us. And then there's also an update summary um, in the footer so of the listing form so that you can see the changes that you've made to the listing. And I think that's gonna prove to be helpful as well. Like I like that they're keeping tabs for us on like what changes we've made. I used to do this all the time and, and I have no memory of what I tweaked. And so now we don't have to remember, and this will make it easier to assess if our changes were productive ones or not. Um, if you want to read more about that, I've linked that Etsy article in the show notes for you. Uh, Etsy also migrated all sellers to a new seller app that was built based on feedback from sellers of features they wanted on the go. 
Overall, I haven't noticed a whole lot of big differences or issues. I submitted one suggestion to them asking for them to make the tracking number on shipped orders like copyable or so that if you like click on it, it directs you to the tracking page because right now it's just like, it's just there and you can't grab it or anything. So, I mean, I don't know. So hopefully they'll change that. That That's for me personally, it's been the only issue, but um, lots of people are frustrated with the change, which, you know, basically anytime they change anything, a lot of people get frustrated. There's kinks being worked out like it, like in anything else, but I personally don't think it's been a big, that big of a hassle, the new app. Um, but I would love for you guys, especially to let me know if you've noticed other issues, because I definitely want to catalog them. I'm not using it as hot and heavy as I will be, or I have been, um, just in this particular season. So, um, something else I've been hearing about more lately is shops being placed on reserve, on payment reserve. And if you listen to my print on demand shop update, which was episode 79, you already know that my shop was one of them. It was put my, it was put on payment reserve. And that is when for a period of time, Etsy holds back part of the sales price from each sale until the item has shipped with tracking. So they only pay out to the seller a portion of their proceeds. You can imagine this is controversial, but there are many reasons this happens. And there's an article published about it by Etsy. I've linked it for you guys in the show notes. You can read it if you wanna see like the full list of reasons you can be put on payment reserve. But I've noticed like most frequently it's because either a shop is brand new to the platform and just doesn't have the trust built with Etsy yet, or a shop has had a bunch of extra sales come in and Etsy wants to make sure the customer is going to get their product and have a way to reimburse them if they don't. So you have to remember, Etsy has 5.9 million active Etsy sellers, about 90 million customers, and somewhere around 2,000 employees. There is literally no way they could begin to ever keep up with all of it. So I know we all get frustrated and I do think they're trying to add, you know, they're trying to add more, but like the reality is there's no way they could keep up with it without lots of systems and automation in place. Like think about any business, it would need automation. And they deal with a ton of fraudulent and spammy activity and a ton of customer service requests. So while it's not fun, and while I was running my sign shop, it was especially hard to manage with it. Like I was put on reserve at one point back then too, but it was actually worse because they, in, in addition to putting me on payment reserve, they forced my shop onto vacation mode until I got all my orders out. Um, and that was like a, a two week turnaround time because I was making everything by hand. So I get why they choose to do it as a business. Like ultimately with the customer, the buck stops with Etsy, right? Not the seller. And Etsy can't just, I don't care how big of a company they are, they can't guarantee 5.0 million sellers worth of transactions. That's not practical. So if you don't have um, extra funds to help fulfill your orders until the payout is available, or you don't want to draw from your personal finances to do it, I recommend a business credit card. Like I'm not a huge fan of credit in my personal life, but the reality is you're going to be hard pressed to find a business of any, of any size who doesn't operate like with, without some kind of credit line. And for exactly this reason, like this is just kind of business 101. So I use a Chase credit card that I almost always pay off completely every month to avoid any interest charges. And that's how I fulfill my Printify orders and pay other business expenses until I get the payouts. And then the first thing I do is I pay the card when I get a payout. And I rack up a ton of points along the way, which is at least a bonus for me. But you know, I kind of wish now back when I was making the signs that I'd had a card like that, that I, you know, it would have made it easier on me if I, but I was kind of stubborn about it at the time. And now, I don't know, I've just decided it's fine. I'll just continue to pay it off. So I did um, link the card that I use in my show notes because it's a good one for business if you need something like that for yours. If you've listened to my print on demand episodes with um, Jenny from the shop, it's the same one she uses too. She strongly recommended it to me and she is like 
really, really good with finances. Um, so it was like, it was a good, it's a good one. And it take, just kind of takes the concern out of it. Um, you know, this is kind of interesting to reference another uh, POD expert we love. Brittany Lewis from Beowulf Biz, who was here on episode 77. That one was fire, by the way. Um, she told stories of several of her students who had like breakout products in certain months and they'd sell like 30K worth of that product, like of a shirt in a month. And they'd have these crazy numbers. And there's just like no way most of us could fulfill that without like, I don't have 30K on hand in liquid assets that I can just like fill them. I don't know. I mean, obviously the card isn't that high either, but at least I could like max it out, get them out, pay it down, do the next batch, at least have some some way to leverage the funds to get them out the door. Um, I mean, come on, don't we all want to dream about having it? Maybe not all of us, but many of us having like a takeoff month like that. So there's that. And then finally, I want to address this question I've been seeing for a few months um, of folks asking, um, are sales slower on Etsy this year? Are we seeing slower sales? And is Etsy dying? So it's a, it's a great question. Some of this is coming from clickbaity content on the internet and negativity in the Facebook groups. Did you see my nostrils flare? I literally felt them flare when I said that. And some of it is just really important and an interesting conversation for us to have together. So the great thing about this is that it's pretty black and white. It's like, it's really a data question more than a perspective question. Is Etsy getting better or worse. And when you're running a business, there is a place where you need to know how to put what you feel, the things you feel aside and look at the numbers to gauge the true performance of something. So here's what you need to know. Etsy has seen tremendous growth since 2020. Like I experienced it firsthand with my sign shop. The platform went absolutely bananas in about April of 2020, once we all kind of got settled in our homes and people were looking for something to do. And in my my case, for my shop, pieces, they were looking for pieces to freshen up their home space since they were stuck there. And the year 2020 as a whole, like skyrocketed Etsy and they broke every record. For um, GMS, which is gross merch sales, it was $10.3 billion. Revenue was $1.7 billion. Adjusted EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, was $549 million. That year was a complete anomaly, and we haven't seen anything you know like it, quite like it since. But e-commerce on the whole is still much bigger now than it was in 2019, because people simply became more comfortable making their purchases online. So 2021 and 2022 saw gradually decreasing sales on Etsy from 2020 um, and e-commerce generally as our society has gone back to more and more back to normal and people are choosing to go to some brick and mortar stores for for many of their purchases, at least some, maybe not many, it's probably not the right word to use. There's just more happening in brick and mortar. But like the bottom line is Etsy is still doing amazing. It's not dying at all. In fact, I'd actually say some of the biggest complaints that we're hearing, like payment reserves and bots and shop suspensions are much more consistent with growing pains than like a symptom that the ad, like the platform is floundering. Compared to 2019, which is our best baseline for sales outside of the pandemic marketplace, the platform is significantly more profitable. And when we look at quarter one of 2023, Etsy did $3.1 billion in sales just in quarter one. Um, the entire finance report is linked in the show notes. You can look at all of it from now back. The years are all there for the investors and you can look at it too. So yes, we have ongoing ongoing changes to adapt to, which is the nature of business. They can be annoying at times. And yes, there aren't as many sales as 2020 and 2021 for sure, but business experts didn't expect them to be either. It's simply, it was a, an anomaly couple of years, but we're in a good spot with Etsy. 
Um, I also will add for folks who are newer or still working on getting started that the reality is that January to August are historically the slowest for sales, like especially May through August. It's just the slowest. And that's true for all industries. That's not specific to Etsy. So you should expect it to be slower and use the time to optimize, learn, add new listings, develop social media or an email list. This is the time to get ready for the the craze that will happen in the fall and the winter. So if you'd like some suggestions, you can always visit the resources page on my website for places to learn and study. I've got all my favorites there. All If you want to do a course, all my suggested courses and trainers. If you want to um, you know, learn Sales Samurai, I've got like a little uh, tutorial video there or ever be if you want to start, you know, adding some new tools to your tool belt. All different kinds of things are over there for no matter what your what your thing is. Um, and it's also organized by product type as well. So you can look at the print on demand suggestions, or you can filter to the digital product suggestions. My site is howtosellyourstuff.com. If you haven't been over there before, a link to the recommended resources page, um, straight here in the show notes for you guys. And so that is it for today. I meant for this to be a shorty episode. I don't think that happened, but, um, my friends, I hope this was such a helpful, up, like a helpful little update for you, um, kind of spurring you along that you're kicking back and enjoying your summer a bit, working on your shops to optimize for the busy season. And as always, it has been a joy to be with you. And I will be back here, same place, same time next week. So for now, go make something awesome and I'll talk to you soon. Bye guys. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.